And I think sometimes the concept of virginity can be really harmful to women. You have to realize that sex is one of those things that can have power over you Mm. or you can have power over it. Mm -hmm. When you've grown up in a culture that has demonized sex and sexual activity in all forms to the point that there isn't the second part about redemption, it can feel like you've lost everything. Cut the cameras, cut cut the cameras, cut the cameras, cut them, cut them off, cut them off right now. Hello and welcome to the Two My Sisters podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Renee and we are your online sisters and hosts of the Two My Sisters podcast. We are all about promoting the wellness, growth and development of a community of sisters across the world. And in today's conversation, it's a little bit juicy, we're going to be talking about purity culture. Okay. Sex, celibacy, abstinence promiscuity and everything in between we love to see it how should women position themselves when it comes to partaking in sex and sexual relations what does it mean to be pure and is it necessary for women to adhere mm-hmm. oh i really enjoyed that intro <laughs> you know what i mean i was just i really enjoyed that one but before we get into all of the juicy stuff as you always know it is time for a what ding 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 dilemma that is right and we have a nice one from one of our sisters from the tms community let's go hi renee and courtney Hello. I'm so glad I discovered your corner of the internet. And honestly, To My Sisters was the, was the first podcast I have ever been able to consistently listen and relate to. So thank oh, you. Thank That's you real so sweet, girl. We feel, feel so happy about all that. I like that, your, your corner of the internet. I know, it's yeah. nice, isn't it? Yeah. Welcome to this side. <laughs> to get to the dilemma, I applied to a master's program and got a place, but I'm conflicted as to whether I should accept the offer or not. Yeah. Is it foolish to do something just for the sake of doing something? Or will it be an even greater regret if I reject the offer and waste a year at home? I guess I just wish I was advancing in life at the same rate as everyone around me. Have you ever felt this way before? And if so, how did you get over it? I've spoken to my friends about this, but I really think advice from you both and the TMS community would be so helpful. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a very interesting dilemma. Mm. I think if you're saying, is it, is there a point in doing something just for the sake of it? I'm going to have to presume you don't actually want to do a Mm -hmm. master's degree. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, that's quite an expensive uh, thing to do just because However, if you're doing your master's degree because you feel like, though I don't know what I want to do or like what the next steps is, I think the best use of this time that I have to decide is best spent maybe adding another qualification to my thing. I think that that's also a smart thing to do. So Mm. I think it's just down to, are you doing this master's program for external factors? Like, I feel like if I get it, it will be able to show to me and the people around me that, hey, I didn't waste my time, da 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 yeah. Or are you actually doing it because I'm interested in this subject. It's another qualification which will actually help me. I actually will enjoy doing this degree um, and it will give me time to figure out what I'm doing next. I think however you're framing it in your mind, that's what makes it positive or negative. I think a a master's degree is something that can be beneficial to have. It's not absolutely necessary though. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, if you're doing it out of, okay, people around me seem to be advancing. If I do a master's degree, it will look like I'm advancing too. I don't think that's a good motive um, to to put yourself through a whole one or two year program um, of studying and paying all that money. Have I ever felt like this before? I don't know. I don't think so. I think um, I was very much so after my undergrad. Ah, I'm, I'm happy with this level of education. Like, yeah. and, and for now anyway, because 
it doesn't align with my immediate goals for the next, let's say three, four, five years. Um, but it's something I can pick up later, but I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was going on to do. If you haven't got that same level of clarity, however, I think a master's degree could actually be a beneficial thing. If you know, eventually I will want into, to go down this kind of route of career and a master's would help. Um, but if you're, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who do master's to procrastinate. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because I don't think it's the worst use of your time. Um, but if you are doing it because you're trying to stunt, don't do it. Boy, oh boy. That's my opinion though. Mm. How about yourself, Renee? No, I'm very much in the similar line of thinking. First of all, intentionality is key in everything that you do. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that you should have everything figured out. Like Mm. Courtney said, it's fine if you're still trying to experiment and figure out, but at least experiment with intention. Mm. Um, In applying to the master's program, you know, putting the effort in the application and actually getting accepted. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. Sorry. Well done. <laughs> That's good because these things are hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, for congratulations. Sure. And um, if you do accept the offer, then, you know, go on here, go on with the wind. But then at the same time, again, it's all about you and what you're willing to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, I decided to do my master's because I didn't want to go into working straight away. Mm-hmm. And I had always wanted to continue with my studies anyways. Initially, I was actually planning to do it like maybe three or four or five years after industry. But... I decided to shoot my shot and see if, you know, the time was right for me. And I got to the end of my undergraduate degree and was kind of like, yeah, well, I'm here now. So Mm. one more year won't hurt me. Mm. Um, And in terms of like the course that I pursued um, and the university that I went to, probably one of the best decisions that I took Mm. in my entire life, like completely changed, radically changed my view of the world, radically changed the people that I engaged with beyond my undergraduate degree. So it was a really great experience for me insofar as like, not even necessarily just my career, but me as a human being and as a person, it really did help shape the way I thought about things, the way I thought about myself, my yeah. confidence levels. So even if the intention behind, you know, doing a master's program is not strictly about your career, yeah. if it's about, you know, your self-development, if it's about, you know, growing as a person in specific areas, then for sure pursue it. Yeah. In terms of this whole stunting thing and wanting to advance at the same time as everybody else, mm. Understand that life is a race where you are adjacent to others, not in the same race. We spoke mm. about this in one of our previous episodes. Yeah. And as much as it may look like everybody is progressing and doing stuff, yeah. there may be people looking at you like, oh, she's doing some bits. Or yeah. like, oh, she's got great time yeah. to her hand. She's got like, you know, something in your life going on. Yeah. So don't think that just because it looks like the grass is greener on the other side that you need to be trying to get your grass to match theirs. Yeah. They could equally be looking at you and thinking, ah, maybe this wasn't, you know, my time the to best. do X, Y, Z. This wasn't my my best decision to yeah. make and all of that kind of jazz. Um, definitely feel, felt that way. Even throughout my master's, I was kind of like, oh, so many of my friends are working or in mm. industry right now. It's kind of like, why have I decided to take this master's? Mm. Um, but I think what will help you get over it is understanding, A, this is actually your your life and yeah. you get to choose what you do with yeah. it. And sacrificing your agency and your, and your life track because you want to look like you're advancing 
will cost you so so much in the long run yeah like if i had gone straight into industry or straight to working or whatever i actually just i don't know what the hell i would have done because i didn't have an idea of what i wanted to do um i knew exactly what i didn't want to do and that was the only thing that was available at the time so i was just like nope i'm not going straight in right um so take your time with it as much as it feels like life is one of those things that's just rushing by and you want to get ahead you can afford to take your time especially when it comes to the financial commitment hello the time oh. commitment. Hello? Ugh. Hello? I feel like with undergrad, it's, you're fine to do anything broad. Like, everyone does undergrad. It's just like, I have GCSEs. They don't really mean anything. It just means you went to uni. And go. I think it's also like the... Obviously, depending on the course you do. But I think it's also, like you said, it can actually be a next step in life that helps you broaden your horizons, which is definitely true. Um, But success doesn't look the same for everybody. And just because you may have seen a master's or further education as a great strategy in the lives of people around you, your friends and stuff like that, who you consider to be successful, that's probably because it was a part of their strategy. And they knew how it fell into the place of it. They knew how it falls into their plans. This isn't your plan though. And I think mm. taking parts of other people's plan can actually steer you really left and like take you down the complete wrong path because they have considered all factors and come to the conclusion that this is beneficial for where it is I'm trying to go. Mm. But if you don't know where you're trying to go, it's going to not make sense to use the same vehicles other people have used Absolutely. if you don't know where you're trying to go. So I think you have to sit down and really think, what am I trying to do? And I, I don't think that necessarily has to be a, I'm trying to be a doctor. I'm trying to be a, this, like a definitive thing. But I think even if you have a grasp of, like you said, I know what I don't want to do. I know what I don't want my life to look like, or I know what I like, what I don't like. Um, these are my craziest dreams and ambitions. These are the things that I want to have achieved, um, with like financially, uh, relationally, like all these different things. If you have a a kind of idea about those things, you can really weigh up. Does a master's degree in this specific thing actually make sense um, for me in line with that? And I think if you are kind of tiptoeing in terms of, I feel like I'm kind of doing this just for doing its sake, then it doesn't seem like it should actually be a part or it is your plan. Mm. I think you're kind of going with the wind, which works with some to some degree, but also this is a an ex, very expensive oh. wind blowing. Yeah, this is an expensive <laughs> passing the time. hundred percent, a hundred percent. You could travel, you could do what, you could learn skills other ways. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Skillshare. They should sponsor the video. That would have been a great segue into a Skillshare ad. I know. But um, I'm currently doing Skillshare, actually. Oh. Anyway, they're not sponsoring this yeah, part of the... Anyways. Yeah, we ain't going Exactly. And this they're is, good, though, but we ain't going to sing. <laughs> sponsor the potty. Um, but yeah, like, <laughs> I think that, yeah, I completely echo what you said. I think yeah. that's actually really good advice because masters made sense for you. And I, th- I think that's weird that, like, you were looking at people thinking, oh, they're in industry, but it's like... You're at Harvard doing a big boy master's degree. So question of grass always man. exactly the grass always looks greener mm. on the other side. But sure. it really is about your grass, like we were saying in that episode. Water your grass. There you Water go. Water your plants. Water your plants. <laughs> Unlike our dear cactus here. <laughs> we need to give our cactus a name, but basically we have give it's her not a name. A cactus. Why do I keep calling her that? This is actually absolutely what's her not name? A cacti. Um, no, but she's I think not. her a name should be the prickly thing. I think her name should be cactus. As an ironic way to the fact <laughs> that we thought it was a cactus okay, plant. Cool. Cactus over here who is not a cactus, <laughs> but I don't know what it is. 
Is it a ficus? Anyone? What is this? Not a ficus. I don't know. I'm not a plant mom. I'm whoever, not even a plant Whoever aunt. is watching this podcast, please tell us <laughs> what breed of plant. <laughs> anyway, Anywho, we water your grass, water your plants. There we go. Don't and find out cactus. the name of the specific plant. <laughs> you're, you're exactly. Make a plan. There you go. <laughs> I love the way that works out so nicely. <laughs> Anywho, sis, we hope that that helped you with your dilemma and whatever you choose, I hope it goes well. Like we really, really sent love your way. But moving into the meats, the main meal, the, um, the what is it? Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Pièce de résistance. Wow. I love the way that the French roll their R's. Um, it's it's yeah. lovely. Yes, we're talking about purity. Purity culture, interesting stuff. I'm really excited for this topic and um, kicking it off, Miss Courtney. Hello. Why do you think that purity culture is so pervasive for women in particular? What is purity culture? Why is it creeping up particularly in women's communities Mm. when we talk about women regulating Mm. sexual activities? Mm. Why? Um, Okay, so I think obviously purity culture stems from like I guess uh, it started like around the 90s and it's kind of birthed out of the evangelical Christian movement. So I think even within that, it's not really just peaking into women's communities. It's peaking specifically into women's religious communities. Mm. And I think that that's a key element to highlight even in this conversation. Mm -hmm. With purity culture, it kind of um, instills, obviously, this idea to remain pure, especially sexually, uh, well, primarily and only sexually um in terms of not having premarital sex not having multiple partners xyz i think the reason why it kind of plagues women more though than it does even religious males and i think this culture also exists in other religions as well Mm. it's just the the coin term purity culture really is attached to evangelical christianity i think the reason why it plagues christian um, women more sorry than men is women are often seen as the gatekeepers of sexual activity mm-hmm. so even this idea the lock and the key the lock the key and the door the whatever it is yeah this idea that women really are the doors to sex if women close their legs sex doesn't occur Mm. and i think that that's (laughs) no but that's that's how it's framed right like the reason why there's so many single mothers women keep having sex the reason why there's so many um you know i don't know baby mama culture women need to close their legs broken societies women set over sexualized communities women like Mm -hmm. women are often painted as if things are falling apart or there's a high level of sexual deviancy, mm. it's women's fault, mm. you know, because they are the gatekeepers of sexual activity. And we've even had comments like that in the comment section down below. Oh, like, boy. it's because women are doing oh. this and women are choosing this. and we're, As if it were that simple. I think that that's extremely um, dumb to think that that's <laughs> enough. <laughs> or, or rather, should I say, no, I think it's right. elementary. I think it's dumb. Like, I think it's very... What am I, it's a flat argument like mm. there's it's such a multi-dimensional thing when we're talking about structures of control and i think existing within patriarchal structures like we're saying like we always say on the podcast like is it a tms episode if we don't mention patriarchy i think if there is going to be a downfall of society like this whole purity culture and the evangelical christian movement mm. um their involvement in it and the way they span it was more so there's a lot of sexual deviance happening in the late 90s after like the sexual revolution that happened mm. in the 60s like all of these things 
if people are having more promiscuous sex, if they're being more uh, sexually active, and also I think the rise of like STDs, STIs, HIV, like yeah. all these things, it's because people are not being pure, mm. right? And if we instill purity and we emphasize it, um, and we make it into kind of like a cultural movement and a cultural shift, hopefully it can turn the tide the same way the sexual revolution, revolution turned the tide, right? Um, so you see things like, purity rings like that's a more common example that most people have maybe heard of like people before they get married if they're in relationships having purity rings with each other and just proving to each other we're going to stay pure the reason why it plagues women so much is yeah women are often seen as the gatekeepers of sex and it's seen if you can make a woman chast like if you can actually um control her sexual urges where are men gonna get the sex from you know and this Mm -hmm. is obviously heteronormative but like where are men gonna get the sex from if women are saying no it's gonna force the men to be celibate but the thing is it kind of renders women powerless in their sexual agency and i think it also removes anyway we could talk more about that um later on in the in the pod but that's why i think how about yourself i love that no i genuinely when you literally everything that you said courtney yeah. i was just thinking uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. especially around this whole idea of women being the gatekeepers of sex yeah. right i think because obviously biologically um when you have sex, obviously unprotected, mm. the fruit of that is a kid. It's normally the woman that bears having the kid. That whole idea of like biological, um, what's the word? Responsibility. Responsibility falls so heavily on women. It, now to like take a step back or like go back, it's like, oh, so it's women. Yeah. We need yeah. to, it's women. That and I, I get to, where that logic comes from, but uh, there's a whole 50% of the population that are being let off as if. <laughs> two to tango. Two <laughs> to tango. Biggest man thing. Two to tango blast. Biggest man and thing. <laughs> I love a good tango blast. I know. Mm. It's really good. It's really blasty. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely women as gatekeepers of sex because yeah. of the biological reality yeah. that the onus is on them to have a kid yeah. if, you know, they have sex. Um, and I think also in terms of it being very pervasive for women, this whole idea of women proving their worth or their value yes. when they are pure, yes. right? This whole idea of like, mm-hmm. I love that you touched on sexual deviancy because it's not even just what we consider like extremely deviant behavior, mm. right? It's this whole notion of women, again, are they really sexual agents, mm. right? And if you are a sexual agent outside of very, very specific um normal behaviors for women then all of a sudden your value is uh deteriorating because you like sex right and it's like this is the way that not just men but a lot of women who have internalized that misogyny Mm. get off with demoralizing other women that are a bit more sexually active or agent right so it's like even um what you were saying about you know purity culture and um concepts like virginity and concepts like abstinence and celibacy when wielded in a way that is meant to actually harm women for Mm. liking sex Mm. engaging in sex Mm. then it becomes a thing of like power right sex is such a powerful thing right um both the act but also all of the narratives around it so this whole idea of like proving your worth as a woman because you're pure despite the fact that the standard rarely exists for men in the same way and this is what i was and I think one of the biggest things about the purity culture movement is exactly that, mm. right? The the thing about purity and the reason why it, as a concept, as a religious concept, it exists is because it is onto God. It's yeah. an act of worship. Yeah. What it is you do with your body, which is why it's so much of a personal choice. 
However, what purity culture does and that kind of um, toxic element of that movement was it attributed value, like Mm -hmm. actual personal value, especially of women to whether they were sexually promiscuous. And secondly, it also removes the idea that what you're doing is about worship. It is about honor unto God. It is about thinking about eternity and what mm. your personal your personal choice about your body. And instead, it re, it attached it to rewards. So if you stay pure, you'll get a good marriage. If you stay pure, you'll get a good husband. If and that's why you kind of see sometimes like a bit of a. I think a lot of people now are in, are looking into purity culture and kind of despising it mm. because they see that obviously that wasn't true. Yeah. You know, you see people who it's kind of like the pick me culture, right? Oh, I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I haven't done this. Okay. But then when you. you see somebody who has, has done all those things and has lived that life achieve, especially marriage before Boy. you, there's a lot of like resentment. Mm-hmm not towards the person but sometimes it is manifesting resentment towards the person Mm. but more so like for example when cardi b got engaged yeah and loads of people were like oh damn like a stripper she used to to be a stripper do you get what i mean it's like ah so this purity culture thing ah, it's a lie because just because i mean i mean some people will say actually it worked out exactly how they said it would but that's not today's episode (laughs) i think that that the essence of it is you'll get a good partner, you'll have a happy marriage, there will be um, functional sex and wholesome sex and happy sex and all of that once you get married. So just wait, 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 because the prize is the marriage, the prize Mm. is the man, the prize is the healthy household, Mm. rather than the prize is God's satisfaction. The prize is um, you living a life that is holy, you live, and obviously these are Christian concepts, but you living a life that is pleasing to whatever God you worship, if that is in your religion. And I think that that's, one of the more um, annoying things to me that exists within religious communities more generally, but is really much exemplified through purity culture. The fact that oftentimes religion has been used so much to police women's bodies and Mm. their actions that women are not allowed to actually choose whether they want to be holy. They're forced into it. And some people may say, well, that's fine. You know, prevention is better than cure. But then the question is, do you actually... I, I thought to myself, let me speak for myself. Do I actually love God if my fear is more so of the opinion of culture and man? Mm. Even if the culture seems to be in my best interest or the culture is actually Christian. Yeah. Or do you get what I yeah. mean? So yeah, for yeah, example, yeah. us lot growing up in like, as an as a child of the diaspora, growing up in an African home, purity is expected, Boy. you know? Promiscuity is really frowned upon as a cultural thing. And that cultural thing has kind of, been infused with religion um, because kind of heavily religious households and oftentimes things that you consider to be religious are actually cultural Mm. and vice versa. Um, And I think that growing up in that environment, you kind of think, okay, my, my parents are kind of forcing me and almost kind of scaring me into staying. That wasn't my personal experience, but my parents are kind of assuming I will be pure. They're not having conversations with me about this thing. Uh, My culture expects for me to stay pure because I'm a Christian. But have I actually made that personal choice or am I more so scared of the repercussions? Am I scared that people will talk about me? Am I scared that people will gossip about me? Am I scared that I will be um, the negative example in my family rather than I am fearful of disappointing God or actually taking seriously my own religion Mm. and actually allowing my decision to be pure, to actually be an act of worship. And in that, therefore, allowing God to actually help me stay pure Mm. rather than trying to stay pure within my own power so that 
I don't get demonized or made a scapegoat. Yeah. I think that that's a real important question you have to ask yourself when you are um, a person of faith Mm -hmm. who is adhering to purity, whether you have made the purity itself an idol, if that Mm. makes sense. And I think that that's why I think the challenge now is for women now who are women of faith to look in the face of purity culture and reject the bad teaching, but not reject the purity. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, okay, let's just throw all the restraints off. But actually the purity aspect it makes sense like that's that's biblical that's whatever is in your faith but the bad teachings and the idolatry and the idea that if you have slept with multiple people you are invaluable and you are dirty and you're unclean um that you are ruining society Mm. that's false that's a lie but to stay pure is worship Mm. do you get what i Mm. mean if that's and that's a choice you have to make by yourself like you said are women given a choice, mm-hmm. you know, and are also my value being attached to my sexual act. And I like that you said the concept of virginity. Talk to us more about that. Yes. This whole idea of the untainted vessel, <laughs> the um, unbroken hymen, the um, sealed box, um, the concept of virginity, because mm. that is exactly what it is. It is a concept. It's not a biological reality in Mm. the sense of the like cultural stuff around it right Mm. obviously there's the biological aspect of when you have sex there are some biological changes to your Mm. body but in terms of like you being a virgin and the value or like the narratives that we attach to virginity Mm. all of that stuff is a bit techie still um i think that Virginity comes hand in hand with purity culture insofar as a lot of popular, particularly in the West, right? Particularly in like the olden days. Mm. By the olden days, I'm talking, you know, medieval Mm, mm, mm. and beyond. Um, This whole idea that, again, the woman's body is for the man or for the marriage Mm. um, and that you become a tainted vessel forever Mm. once you've had sex or had any kind of sexual relations Mm. right this whole idea of your value being attached to whether you've had sex with somebody and if that somebody it has you know made a commitment to you Mm. and i think sometimes the concept of virginity can be really harmful to women Mm. because i don't know about you but getting a bit personal here Mm. when you've grown up in a culture that has demonized sex and sexual activity in all forms to the point that there isn't the second part about redemption it can feel like you've lost everything. So I love the fact that you were touching on the importance of purity as an act of worship, particularly Mm. if you're doing it in reverence to your faith Mm. or if you're doing it as a personal choice, Mm. because you can decide to be celibate or abstinent at any point in your life. Yes, And I think we forget that your past sexual activity doesn't necessarily have to define your present reality. But I think for a lot of women, because of these cultural narratives, because of these norms, and for many women who, for example, may have already had kids or who have, you know, STIs or some kind of like, I don't know, tangible consequence of having sex, it can feel like they're too far gone. And virginity plays into that insofar as it for a lot of women, it feels like once you've had sex, it's like, mm. I'm now in this like rabbit hole where yeah. my worth has declined to the point yeah. where I can't get it back up again. Right. So 
I think it does put a lot of pressure on women to maintain a standard that mm. they weren't necessarily meant to maintain by themselves. Mm. Um, even that insofar as like choice and being somebody that's either celibate, abstinent or pure yeah. or a virgin, acknowledging that for women, it actually takes a lot mm. to maintain these things. It takes a lot. Um, and because this is one of, sorry, no, go on. Because... <laughs> One of my like biggest frustrations when it comes to like purity culture mm. and sex is it really absolutely absolves men of all involvement in like sexual activity yeah. first and foremost. And then it like single-handedly denies women of the privilege of struggling with sex. Because yep. it is, it's a privilege. Yep. It's a privilege to still be accepted in society and have engaged in sexual activity. Listen. It's a privilege to be somebody who is typecast as, oh, it's fine. It's just them, you know, going through the And this emotions. is manhood. That's why, but, like, when women talk about, you know, I've had a pornography addiction. Yeah. When women talk about the fact that I've been oh, promiscuous. Be so when, women, <laughs> when women talk about the very normal things, particularly yeah. in this generation and this culture this like sex obsessed culture yeah. when women talk about the struggles that they go through when it comes to sex yeah. they're classified as deviant whereas men are classified as masculine that's it and that, it, that's exactly what i was gonna say that is one of the most annoying things about the concepts of sex mm. because people think sexuality is biological for me mm, mm. whereas for women it seems to not be biological for them it's like no, women are not. Close it they're up. prudes, you know. They had their their sex drive kicks in when they're married to only to satisfy their husband. That is the um, like you said, that's the essence of their existence. Whereas sexuality is so linked to masculinity that how can men hold themselves? I just don't get it. How and that and that's often how it's framed, you know. Men, um, they struggle so much to be celibate. They struggle so much to be pure because it it's just a part. It's the testosterone, oh, and, to, and it's like like women don't have testosterone. And you're telling me like women don't have a libido, Fam. and I think that that's the element of it. It's like men's um, men have been allowed to continue to be sexually deviant if we're using that language. Like you said, because it is ascribed to masculinity, it's sowing your wild oats, it's becoming a man. It's And it's so attached to, like you said, masculinity and whether you are classified and applauded by other men to be a man, to mm. be that alpha male. How many women have you slept with? How many bodies have you conquered? And that's oftentimes how it's framed. Whereas with women, how many people have conquered you? You must be easy, right? Instead of seeing it as actually, I, I like sex and I want to have sex. Absolutely. And that's how I was designed. Dude. And you know what? We're not going to debase ourselves to the point where we talk about the body count conversation, oh. right? where we start talking about that. My frustration, yeah. I guess, to just talk about it generally, my frustration with that is the lack of consistency when mm. we're having those discussions, right? How many conversations I've heard or listened to by men who will say, oh, I don't want to be with a woman with a certain body count of X, Y, Z. But who but are then, the women sleeping with? First of all, who are the women sleeping with? Second of all, if a woman were to express, I want to be with a man who has, you know, X body count, all mm. of a sudden, whoa, mm. you have to understand that he has a past asking for too much so even purity culture as it is mm. you know prescribed towards men yeah. and it's funny because sorry logical inconsistencies are like that i hate them mm. so much because even when we think about our faith right when mm. we think about the christian religion there's so much emphasis on remaining pure remaining holy yeah for both men and, and women. women 
And yeah, but I think even in with the religious context, right? And please, Christians, I believe in Jesus and I love him, and I think he is the perfect solution. But the <laughs> the Bible is filled with imperfect people, absolutely, and it is written within a specific time. And I think, and within a certain culture and traditional context, mm. right? The fact that even a lot of religion and religious texts frame men being promiscuous, someone like David, as a trip up of their um, imperfection and why they need God. Mm -hmm. Whereas the women who culturally, the way they were treated, if they slipped up, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, stone her to death. Mm. And I think without appropriate and correct, like exegetical teaching of texts, right? People can carry those things forward and think this is how God wanted it to be. David was still a man after God's God's heart, even Mm -hmm. though he slept with so many people. Solomon was still the wisest man, even though he had how many wives and concubines. But the examples of women that you have who were sexually deviant, this is how they ended you know, and not realizing that's not necessarily God's opinion. Cause then you even see the way someone like Jesus mm-hmm. goes out of his way to explain you're being hypocritical, mm-hmm. but also the fact that this is a cultural thing and women, for example, Rahab yep. in the Bible, yep. women who have a sexually deviant part, sexually deviant according to cultural standards can still be utilized, used, and very much so a part of Christum, do you yeah, get what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and still very much so saved. If people do not teach the text well, if people do not also put the text in its cultural context mm. and also take time to inspect yeah. their own filters of what they believe to be culturally true and not impose that on the Bible. Because I think with the Bible, with the Quran, with so many different religious texts, it's easy to take things to fit the perspective that you already have, rather than really taking it in part, really taking it in its whole context of what is the story that is being trying to what that is trying to be told here mm. about redemption about um like you're saying being able to start again about transformation about rebirth what is that all about yeah. instead of taking things from that perspective people often like you said commit you kind of to this damnation once you have popped your chair so sometimes when i see women i question are you christian do you love jesus because you've been raised this way and you haven't really formed your own relationship mm-hmm. with it or are you th- doing this because culturally it's acceptable and you think it will attribute cultural value to you you know to be that praying wife do you actually love jesus or are you trying to perform Mm -hmm. and i think that's where a lot of people find themselves and they don't take time to ask themselves these hard questions Mm -hmm. and then women also then become it becomes difficult for example as a woman of faith to be vulnerable because people are coming with these cultural perceptions of what is deviant and what is normal. And so women, like you said, even within environments where they should actually feel the most safe to say, this is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. This is what my my past is. I expect you to actually accept me still even more so here than they would out there because mm. your whole religion is about redemption. Instead, I'm actually more fearful to confess because I know you still hold the cultural views which aren't even consistent with the Bible. And I think that that's where it breaks my heart because instead of you to kind of show to women, God made you this way. It's not just because it's not just because society is so bad now that women have developed a sex drive. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, Actually, mm-hmm. Uh, women have always had a sex drive. It has had to be suppressed yeah. because of 
issues like this, right? And now women are like, I'm not going to do all that hard work to suppress it anymore. I'm just going to have sex with whoever I want to. They're being blamed for that or society is being blamed for that as if it has created women in this way. Mm. Instead of actually realizing women have always been this way, this and this way is not bad. Do you get what I mean? It's actually now about personal choice. Mm -hmm. The issue with men is the way biologically the narrative has been. And I think we have to pay attention to narratives because even scientific narratives make it seem as though and like you can read the research about it men need sex more than women do you think research is objective <laughs> do you think science oh, is objective and this was a, this, i remember being at an event like a co- good couple years ago and somebody was saying like oh men it was actually feeding very toxically into this kind of rape culture um conversation which is men need sex no, they don't. No, they don't. And I know that may have a lot of people in outrage and pe- the people's response is usually read the research. Men have all this testosterone going around their body. Do you know the level of estrogen women have in their bodies? Do you know the level of ovulation. libido that women have in their bodies? If we are, me- the whole, the whole <laughs> essence of a reproductive system is you need to have sex. Yeah. The whole essence of the yeah. reproduction and the regeneration of generations and hu- the human race is you need to have sex. Yeah. So the idea that women's sexual drive lays dormant, even within puberty and things like ovulation and menstruation is silly and dumb. And I think that that's, <laughs> but that's because research hasn't really emphasized it because yeah. it doesn't fit patriarchal narratives. Yeah. And I think if we don't inspect the narratives that even exist around men, and the reason why I'm coming harder is men, it doesn't benefit you. A lot of people also think men are dangerous beings because they cannot control this unruly sex drive which would just drive drive them crazy because when men are horny they can't control themselves do you really want to be seen as this um beast (laughs) 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 because that's what it characterizes men as that's what it characterizes men as and as somebody who really loves their brothers brothers too i don't want to see them in that way men cannot control their sexual urges and if they slip up it's just normal because men are driven by they are defined by their existence is made up by sex and yet these are meant to be the forerunners of society society, (laughs) but you cannot close it up this is another thing close it up discipline oftentimes it's seen as though men can't cultivate discipline in that area. Mm. Do you get what I mean? In that area, it's so challenging. You've been banging gym. You've got bare muscles, but you can't control your little penis. <laughs> she said, "Take because of cheese. testosterone." Wow. Is that really what you're trying to tell me? And this is not me, you know, saying. Actually, this is me saying that sex drive is really an individual thing. It it's is. not a the male race. Yeah, I think a, a, the whole male men have a higher sex drive than women. It's just been overstated because they've been allowed to have sex. Mm. That's it. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a biological mm. thing because if it is biological, it is by a slim margin. I can tell you that. Mm. And also, I think it's an age thing. So looking at science and thinking that science is objective. Let's think a bit Beloved. more critically. 
beloved. Let's think a bit more. Oh, don't even get me started. Because it's the same thing about race, right? Yeah. If science is so objective, how come the Negro was only considered a third of a person? Scientifically. You can't tell me that science is objective when eugenics is a science Mm. or was a science. Do you get what I mean? And Mm -hmm. also then look, not look at certain scientific research, especially historically, if that's because people haven't read the recent articles. They're talking more so about things they've heard from other people who heard things from other people who read something once from 1919. So I feel like it unless you're talking if you also have to look at science that is talking about gender mm. from a uh through the lens of patriarchy yeah and understanding that because i mean even the the narratives that surround like if you look anthropologically right the narratives that surround the female body and the fact that, oh, her menstrual reproductive system is so um, wasteful. She only produces so many eggs in her entire lifetime. Whereas men have these thriving, um, what do you call it? These thriving, efficient bodies, which replenish their millions and billions of sperm cells every, but then how come of those millions and billions of sperm cells you've had in your lifetime, only what on average three of them turn into people. Whereas of my eggs, if we talk about bodily efficiency of my eggs, Don't what's the fraction? Don't kill me. Don't kill me. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Like, things like no, but efficiency, if, like you're saying about logical inconsistencies if we if we're gonna frame it that way let's think about it logically and so the fact that the female body and this is just an example the fact that the female body is seen as inefficient because only three of your eggs in your entire let's say if you have three kids in your lifetime only three of them have been fertilized right that's inefficient that's wasteful Mm. what about the other 40 50 eggs that you've had they're just gonna be flushed down the toilet literally but with men how many of their sperm cells are in pillows socks down the toilet or left in someone's mouth. <gasps> cut, the to, cameras, to, cut, cut the cameras, cut the cameras, cut the cameras, cut them off, cut them off it. right now. And We're going into a short break. We're going into a short break. And you want to talk to me about inefficiency. You can get the best washing <laughs> up liquid at ShopRite. <laughs> anyways, anyways, yeah. But you want to talk to me about biological inefficiency? CVS has buffalo chicken wings. <laughs> and waste. They're really good. Uh, and wastefulness. Uh, Sorry, that was a long... But that's what I'm saying. Uh, Narratives exist also within scientific research. Yeah. And so you really have to inspi- inspect these things. For so sure. That's, that's all I was saying. And who are the governing bodies? Because even... Yes. You know what? As you're speaking about like science, one of my pet peeves is the lack of like research and yeah. birth control methods as well. And the fact that birth control, the onus overwhelming onus of birth control is on women despite the fact that men are the ones that produce like i think of folks heaven forgive me i think of folks like nick cannon and future and all them (laughs) but it's me that you want to swallow pills every day that i have to go through depression i have to go through excessive weight gain i have to go through decreased testosterone like there's so many adverse effects yeah of female contraception and it's so under-researched and there's so many researchers that too oh no this is safe for women this is fine but heaven forbid anyone suggests birth control for for men men that's not condoms like nobody will talk about it even that anyway all of a sudden oh you know it can't fit that's a lie (laughs) that is a lie so you were not that big you were not you were not that big 
This um, is even normal size. Don't like stop that. Stop that. I always <laughs> listen. I'm sure we've spoken about this before in one of our other sex episodes, but I just vividly remember yep. our shout out to our PSHE citizenship <laughs> teacher, <laughs> sis. Back in the day, she like she literally told she us. She was so stringent with it. She too. said, if any man tells you that they are too big for a condom, sis took a can of like tomato beans, beans or something and like that. slapped it on she the table, and then put a condom and over stretched it. it over, and she said. Show them this. Don't let any man take you for idiot. Let this be the evidence. <laughs> let this be the evidence. That has stuck in, burned in my mind. <gasps> the, Anyways. Oh gosh. There's like so, listen, there's so many ways that we could go about this, but I yeah. thought what would be helpful kind of like making it more personal mm. is to talk about our own stories okay. or our own journey okay. with, celibacy yeah. abstinence promiscuity yeah. and all of that kind of stuff and before we kind of go into that in terms of like defining the terms because i know they're like inter- mm. you know, loads of people use them inter- interchange. In- <laughs> is everything all right <laughs> you know when you speak too fast and the english did not all your english. words are here <laughs> <laughs> In terms of defining the key concepts yeah. and terms, just so that we don't use them interchangeably yeah, and we yeah. understand the difference between the two yeah. or three rather, celibacy being about mind, body, spirit, it's really a full like commitment mm. to not having sex, trying to move away from like lustful thoughts mm. as well. Really a full effort. Usually when it comes to, we're thinking about you know, faith circles yeah, or yeah, yeah. in religious effects or um, wherever, you know, abstaining from sex and sexual activity and thoughts is related to um, some kind of deity or some mm. kind of like religious promise. Mm. Whereas abstinence is actually just not having sex or choosing right. not to have sex for usually a shorter period of time. And then promiscuity. And celib- celibacy is also usually lifelong, like there we a go. lifelong commitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas abstinence may be up until marriage yeah. or for a particular amount of time. Yeah. Whereas promiscuity, I struggle with promiscuity Same. sometimes because I feel like that's one of those terms where it's very, very relative mm. to what you think sexual deviancy yeah. is. But I guess as a generalized term is... Being more, I guess, fluid with your sexual relations mm. and having more, like a lot of sexual partners yeah. at the same time mm. or like in a short period of time. Mm. Not to say that we're trying to like judge anybody for promiscuous Listen, we just got to give definitions like the word. We literally just Forgive for, us if it's wrong. Absolutely. They have to. Yeah. <laughs> we have to. Ta- please, please. Give us grace. Right. We're trying to navigate quite an interesting conversation. Do, do you know here. what I mean? There you go. On the um, internet. The, on the net. <laughs> yeah. On the net. Um. So yeah, Courtney, walk us through your journey, your understanding of purity culture, your journey with either celibacy, abstinence, Mm, mm. or promiscuity. Okay, so I I often call it celibacy, but it is um, short term, please. It's not a lifelong. No, but let's talk about it. Because folks not be a out here I'm going to be celibate for as long as possible. No. It's a short term thing. I do not. Uh, My... (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I've raised many prayer points. Um, <laughs> no, but it's okay. So I um, am not a virgin. Shout out to my parents who are listening to oh, this. Oh, dear. For sure. Mom, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. But we've spoken about it yeah, several yeah, times yeah. before. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, there's like so many episodes of the Two My Sisters podcast, which are not on YouTube, they're yeah. on streaming you platforms. And that's when we kind of divulged our entire life stories um 
<laughs> but yeah, um, so after obviously being sexually active in with multi, like different partners and po- over time, um, I then became a Christian. And obviously the the most common thing people know whenever you say you found some kind of faith is like, oh, so you're not going to have sex again. <laughs> um, and it's like, no. But then in your head, you're also like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you are sexually active. Um, and so to then decide um, not going to have sex until I get married, mm. not to wait for my husband actually, but as a act of worship mm. and devotion um, was when I started to really sit down and think, okay, what um, what is my understanding about sex? What do I believe it to be? How, what does sex have to do with worship in any sense of the word? And so like really investigating, why am I doing this? What are my motives? What have, what do I believe? What have I been taught? What have I accepted and internalized about sex? Mm. I really did kind of approach it from like, like uh, and obviously being like a sociologist I really did approach it from that kind of perspective of okay this is interesting because I have um been watching things like pornography for example since I was like 10 years old do I have to stop that that's not sexual activity so really understanding okay now I need to really assess my life now through the lens of what is honoring onto God and what's not what's the line where's what's the line that we cross and I think that that's when I started to like you ask people mm. and instinctively when you don't know things, you ask people. And I, I was very shocked sometimes by the opinions I would hear from other people and the fact that there was no one defining answer. Um, and that's when I really realized, oh, this is really for me to walk this out and figure out what this yeah. looks like and what are the parameters here. Yeah. Um, so I just decided that I wasn't going to, to do it anymore. Obviously, um, it has been damn hard. Firstly, um, because obviously the challenge has also been it's not just have not having sex, it's also for me not watching porn, not masturbating, um, and even more tricky, controlling the thoughts that I have. And I think that that's something <laughs> that um, like I was saying in the beginning, like problematizing this idea that it's just about virginity, it's just about uh not having sex and not being tainted by anybody Mm. else, but actually not realizing purity like we've spoken about. I think in our modesty episode, these things really are a matter of the heart. And actually realizing that your thoughts matter just as much as your actions. The thoughts that you have and the perspective that you have about other human bodies and about yourself and what you think, um, the the way you think and Mm. what you think actually matters and is an issue of purity. And you should be pure in heart and mind as well as body. And realizing that made me deep this purity culture thing has it all wrong. (laughs) Um, Has it really, really wrong? Because as much as I do believe in purity, what I don't believe is that... um, this is just a superficial thing. Do you get what I mean? And so I think purity culture makes it extremely superficial. Yeah. It makes it very much so performative. Whereas I actually wanted it to transform my whole life. And I think that that has been one of the most challenging, mm. challenging things. Because if you want to talk about what, what I've learned, self-control, discipline, Oh, I didn't have any of it. Not even a, a I didn't smidgen. have I didn't have any of it. Self-control, purity, being having being able to control your thoughts, not just about sex, but now about other people mm. and about people's bodies and 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 not thinking lustfully or um 
It even bleeds and it trains you for other things, not gossiping, all of that. Like, I think once you're able to control your sexual appetite, yeah. it's kind of easy to control everything else. Oh, for sure. It really for is. Sure. But how about yourself, Miss Renee? Yeah, Miss Renee. It's funny that your last point on like, once you control your body in terms of like your sexual appetite, you control everything else. Yeah. So true. Literally a friend of mine said that to me like, four or five weeks yeah. ago when we were having conversations about these kind of things which is why i, I really find it hard to trust men who are sexually I'm, I'm gonna touch up i'm about to touch on that Go in my on. story um so <laughs> i likewise to you insofar as like finding christ mm. rededicating myself to the faith because mm. i grew up in a christian household yeah but i would never have described myself as, as a, a christian, christian looking back um i was very much a uh I was one of those folks who liked to go against the grain and mm, challenge a lot of things mm. and really like inspect and really deconstruct. Okay, but why am I doing this? Yeah. For what reason? Yeah. And for me, because at that point, I hadn't really done a deep dive into purity culture or mm. rather into the actual Bible, into the mm. teachings of the Lord. <laughs> How about that? I was despising purity because i had looked at it through the lens of men yeah and i despised oh, so everything around virginity i despised everything around like sex i but i had still internalized in my mind that like god i know that if i step out and you know have sex then mm. my value decreases mm. or if i like this person and we do something then all of a sudden it feels like they have something one up on me do you get what yeah, i mean yeah i got you for me it was the juggling of the two where it's like yeah, I don't really believe in these things. I think they're ridiculous. I think that, you know, there's a lot of logical inconsistencies. I think that there's a lot of misogyny wrapped up in this. Mm. And yet the internalized view of, oh God, like I have this sex drive. Right. I, I like men. Right, and right. I want to have sex, but it's like, I know the repercussions culturally mm. and in public. Mm. Um, so yeah, I too, I'm not a virgin either. I too like sex. Um, but I think the challenge really comes... Like it's one thing to deal with these things yourself, but then when other people are in the mix, it becomes even harder, especially mm. if your values don't align. Right. And I think particularly as Christians, I'm sure a lot of like women of faith, whatever faith you are, will um, resonate with mm. this. But when you try to convince yourself that, you know, the person you're dating, for example, yeah, this will lead to marriage. <gasps> or like you try to convince yourself that, yeah, this person is the unequally, they're unequally yoked. The so we can do some, like we can, the yeah. negotiation, yeah. you can do the negotiation yeah. dance, right? And the fact that there's actually a lot of men out there, as much as, you know, men, we don't want to reduce our conceptions of men, retete, their complex mm. beings, all that trash. <laughs> um, we don't want to reduce all that trash. All that trash. <laughs> They're complex <laughs> beings. There are some predatory men out there yeah. that leverage their power in society yeah. to get you to fulfill their sexual Spot desires, on. despite the fact that the onus will always be on yeah. you. Yeah. So, and especially when they can then weaponize your own fears. Absolutely. Against you. Absolutely. So, constantly battling with this, as you said, the um, the reward of like you know celibacy is mm. a committed relationship mm. or mm. a marriage or having somebody. Um, to be with right having men that will dangle that in front of you yeah. and say this is what I will give you if you give in to sexual pressure right yes. so for me at some points of my life before I really decided oh, I'm gonna do a purity 
and really actually give my life to Christ and more importantly, understand what that actually means mm-hmm. outside of the cultural context. Okay. It was this wrestling with folks who actually just didn't align with that value. Mm. It was this constant internal battle of like, how do I marry my actual sex drive and my desire for sex with the popular narratives around celibacy and women's work? Right. How do I now navigate being somebody that may have transgressed sexually and understanding that this is actually not part of my identity, identity. like that. Yeah. Because do you know what's even funny? Having conversations with some of like my married friends, the fear of even having sex post-marriage, right? This whole concept that we hang on to about purity and not having sex. And then when the actual conditions for it are yeah. right, there's yeah. still that massive fear or yeah. that massive anxiety. Because sex is considered the bad thing. It's considered it's not something the that premarital sex. You. It's not the uh sex outside of the context mm. of marriage. It's the sex. Precisely. And so then when you are in a position where you're allowed to have sex, but sex is bad. It's so bad. No, don't do that. <laughs> bad. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. Yeah. So for me, struggling with that. And then yeah, for me it was definitely the unequally yoked folks. Mm. Boy, oh boy. Men, get it together. Um, but also taking accountability because I know there's mm. a lot of sisters that are listening in that are either doing up, I'm celibate, I'm abstinent, yeah. but your partner isn't. This is it. Don't do that. This is it. Because it's gonna end in tears. This it is always it. does. It always does. Because whether we like it or not. Your values on sex and sexual activity are just as important, if not more important than a lot of values you think you have outlined for mm. yourself. And if you haven't actually outlined what your policy is mm. internally around mm. sex and sexual relations, then you will lose in the long run because you will allow somebody else to define it for yeah. you. Yeah. As much as we kind of like compartmentalize sex as something, it's outside, we'll talk about it, like it's just something... Sex can actually be one of the reasons why, you know, couples break up, Facts. infidelity, Facts. Um, you know, p- unwanted pregnancies. Facts. If you don't have transparent, candid and open conversations mm. about sex and sexual relations with the person you're interested yeah. in, that will lead you into disarray. Is not even disarray is not even yeah. the word. There's so many sisters out here that are forfeiting their right to happiness in sexual relationships because they haven't articulated what they like. Mm. There's a lot of women who may have taken a, you know, vow of celibacy or they're abstinent, yeah. but they are wrestling with, you know, partners that just don't care. Yeah. And and this is the thing, like you really need to, as much as we're talking about purity culture and stuff, what purity culture really does make you do is also realize the weight of sex. It's and this not. is not to define what sex is in your life, but I'm saying the reason why like you just emphasized, you actually need to come up with what do I think about sex? What is my relationship with Mm. sex? It's because sex, no matter how it's wielded, is still a powerful thing. It's very powerful. If we think about what sex can and cannot do, the way it can be weaponized, the way it can be leveraged, the way it can be bought, the way it can be sold, the way it can be traded, the way it can be used to inflict harm on people, we would be silly to think sex in itself was not a powerful thing. And also if we look just at the way sex has impacted our culture, we would be silly to think sex was not a powerful thing. And it's funny because it's the thing that people just don't talk about until yeah. it happens. Yeah. It's like, oh, it just happened, but it didn't have to. It didn't. Talk about these things. This and as, as unsexy as it is sometimes to talk about sex, you need to have those conversations. And that's part of the reason we brought it up on TMS because even within women Oh, we love talking about sex around here. Boy, <laughs> a 
and it's not even just that, but also the sense of community, the accountability. Yeah. This isn't a prude circle. There will be sometimes I'll call up Courtney and be like, girl. It's hot in here. It's roasted. <laughs> it's hot. It's roasted. You can fry an egg in here. And Literally. it might be mine. <laughs> Legit. Having those conversations, having someone that's like, understands, someone mm. that can hold you accountable. Or even like, our sexual past and sexual trauma absolutely being able to speak about that in communities boy, where you can oh experience boy. healing is so important boy oh boy and the amount of women as well that have subjected themselves to like any kind of sexual harm mm. or any kind of or like been subject to been subject to any kind of like sexual violence mm. in the name of trying to keep the prize of a relationship that's also feeding into these really, really toxic purity cultures, rape culture, this whole idea of be staying pure for a man mm. and not really seeing sex as something whereby two people partake in this and it's about understanding each other's bodies. Mm. And for me, it's just the frustration again is around this whole, if women are not agent participants in sex, how do men feel comfortable having sex with people that are not agents? I couldn't even fathom and having this, sex with somebody I, who didn't, I didn't even think, do you actually like me? This? Do you and I think that's why me? it's so important, like you said, to make women agents within sex, because oftentimes it can be seen as women are literally painted as sex toys this sometimes, especially if you have been exposed to something like pornography, right? And I know there are some people who are really, they will stand and defend porn. This is not the place for you. <laughs> I think the the issue sometimes with pornography is it really does make it seem as though women are simply a tool and a piece of equipment within a man's sexual experience, mm. right? Rather than, like you said, two people experiencing and enjoying this mm. thing. And because of that, I think having conversations, problematizing toxic purity culture, having these conversations about sex openly, letting men know there are women who actually are are mindful of sex, enjoy sex, and actually have made decisions with what it is they are going to do their, with their bodies mm. is really important so that they don't see them as things that they can just use, things that they can just take more importantly. Yeah. Um, and, and those are the things that kind of feed into, like you said, things like rape culture and stuff like that. And I think men need to be very privy to these conversations. 100%. And I, I think we kind of say these things in the sense that men, please hold each other accountable. Please hold each other accountable. These are conversations which I, I'm sure are happening in men's circles I as well so. and in men's community, communities so. as well. But I think it's very important if you are listening to this or if you could share this with your bros to hear the fact that women we are making choices with our bodies too and you need to respect that boy, oh and it is boy. not your job also to make it a personal challenge to convince me of that otherwise and to twist my arm into doing the other thing because that is a form of control and i won't let you exert it over my sexual be my, my sexual agency it's actually a form of sexual it's abuse. A, a form of sexual abuse and it's often just trivialized as how much do you love me how much do you want me how much do you care about me? How about that? How much do you respect my body? I've said this is what I'm not going to do. This is not a game. This is not be playing hard to get. You gotta carry this yourself, is my choice. Carry yourself and your balls out my, my house. Carry yourself and Thank your you balls out my house. Thank you for listening to my sister. Really appreciate it. <laughs> carry yourself. Put your balls in the back. Okay? Put your balls in the back. Get up out of here. Because what do you think this is? Since you think this is a game. <laughs> Since you think this is a game.
Seriously, you think this is a game? And also this whole like weaponization of like, oh, if you don't want it, I'll get it elsewhere. Yeah. This whole, listen, relationships are not, sim- they don't exist. You don't exist as a woman to fulfill men's wildest desires. You too, okay? I was even reading one of the um, comments on one of our earlier, earlier podcast episodes mm. on sex. Um, and it was this good sis pointing out the fact that there's a lot of men who actually don't even know what the signs of a woman orgasming is. Oh, like wow. they just, it's like, oh, so they do? Oh. Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah. So they do? They do. They do. I don't know what else to tell you, sir. You've been doing it wrong. Anyway, man. Anywho, having all of that been said and shared mm. and all that good stuff. How do you think women should comport themselves when it comes to Rah. sex? Rah. Purity. I think you you actually uh, said something, which is, I think, the perfect conclusion to it, which is you need to decide your own personal ethos. You need to decide what do I believe about sex? What do I want? What do I not want? What am I going to do? Mm. Um, and these may, I know somebody says sometimes when we talk, it's vague. It's because I cannot tell you yeah. what to believe and how to act within yourself. This really is a personal decision. You have to realize that sex is one of those things that can have power over you mm. or you can have power over it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think deciding to have power over it comes down to what does sex mean to me? And sexually, how am I going to be an agent of my body? Mm. Like, what is what does sexual agency look like to me by making decisions about your sex? What you will do, what you won't do, um, when you will do it, who you will do it with, all of those sorts of things. I think it's important to make those personal decisions because to live in a life where that is dictated to you can easily go left because it can, again, lead to an abuse of power. No, even if the voice you're listening to isn't one person's voice, but it's actually society's voice or cultural, letting that rule your life, you'll run into so many obstacles when you start dealing with another individual. Mm -hmm. If you also haven't made individual choices Mm. for yourself about sex, because in your bedroom, in your family, in your household, um, when it comes to you just being you, no one else is there to observe or to, to to feel what it is you're feeling. If you feel sexually violated, no one else feels that. Yeah. You may feel that. You need to take that seriously. Or if you feel as though I don't feel as sexually liberated as I could be. I think for even a long time, even though I was sexually active, I did not feel sexually liberated. And that's a whole different story. But I yeah. think as women taking time what does sexual liberation look like for me because this is something we've also spoken about in the past sexual liberation for me doesn't look the same as what most cultural most cultural um definitions would see it as because i'm not promiscuous do you get what i mean so people would kind of see it as oh you're sexually oppressed no i'm actually very much so sexually liberated i've been liberated enough to make a choice to refrain do you get what i mean so sometimes sexual liberation is even seen as being promiscuous mm. and those two are synonymous no mm. and but you need to make these personal definitions for yourself what does yeah. sexual liberation yeah. look like to you in your life i can give an example for me it looks like i have a healthy view of sex i know i can enjoy sex i know that sex is enjoyable when it's done right and then like you said um <laughs> i know that sex is enjoyable <laughs> But I've also made a personal decision mm. for myself 
to be disciplined in this area yeah. in this way mm-hmm. that's sexual liberation for me and i won't let anyone else then tell me you're oppressed because that's not true yeah. but if for somebody else they decided sexual liberation looks like xyz i also can't fight that that's what sexual liberation looks like for them and so i think i say all that to say don't let anybody else define for you what it should look like yeah you have to make a personal choice that personal choice can be informed by scriptures it can be informed by whatever uh religion you subscribe to it can be informed by your culture because people do hold culture very um important to them it can be informed by tradition or it could just be involved informed by your feelings whatever it is Mm. you want to rule your life then that's it yeah yeah how about yourself that's beautiful that's wow wow i feel like and i'm just gonna be honest here i think sometimes sisters hear me out in having a sisterhood community and being the front faces of it yeah i think people can kind of really look at what it is you're saying and kind of want you to fall into potholes especially knowing that we are christians yeah i think damned if you do damned if you don't and so i'm not gonna sit here and put on you my personal beliefs i'm not but i do think in the way that we think we do have opinions um and so But one thing that this is, and I love that you mentioned it as a community, this really is about transparency. This really is about love. This really is about trying to understand other women, even if they live in a way that you don't live like and not ascribing right, wrong and dictating to you what Mm -hmm. that looks like. Mm -hmm. What we're creating here isn't necessarily a culture of rules. And this is what a woman should be. And this is what it looks like to glow and grow. And this is what all we're doing is this is what we've journeyed as yeah i can't dictate to you what that will manifest as in your life um but what i do want you to be is empowered what i do want you to be is liberated what Mm. i do want you to be is um thought thoughtful even of what the roots are of the the things you hold dear to your heart Mm. right and and the culture you have and the Mm -hmm. the rules and traditions you have and i think having conversations like this can be hard because people hear you're a christian and they think Ah, this is what they're going to say. And then Christians hear what you you say and they're like, oh my God, how can you say that? And it's like, I don't know what to say. And also, wig, and also like, if you are offended by this, ah, sorry. Life is, like, you're not, life. you don't have to agree with there everything we go, you say. Go. It's even funny that we have to give these disclaimers and um, thank you for being so polite about it. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, we said what we said. And we have opinions. And if you disagree with them, you are you are entitled yeah. to your opinion. Um, what you're not entitled to is your disrespect when it comes to sharing your own opinion. How about and, that? Um, I am still dealing with the spirit of petty. Um, it's been a lifelong journey. I don't journey. even think it's pettiness though. <laughs> I don't think it's pettiness. <laughs> the spirit of the clapback. I think that one is. Okay. I think that one is. <laughs> I, think, I think the initial like responding, it's the manifestation that sometimes is a little bit did you have to say did you have to come for it but basically we will respond and just know we we have opinions too the same way you'll be out there very loud and audacious about your opinion yeah we too will be also (laughs) loud and audacious (laughs) and um yeah i guess to chime in on exactly what you said in terms of what sexual liberation looks like for us and in terms of like how i view sex as you said sex is very very powerful and as someone who was previously sexually active i have decided to abstain from sex because I realize it's power and I would prefer to actually share it with somebody who is willing to commit to me. 
and somebody that shares the same value systems as me. Mm. Not just, you know, obviously as a Christian, because that is something that governs your entire. Yeah, that's the foundation to a lot of the values that I have. But not just someone who is a Christian in name, but somebody who Mm. actually lives out those Mm. values. Right. As somebody that is trying to live out those values, I, too, want to be committed to somebody that lives out those values values. as a man not somebody that talks about it but somebody that you know lives out those values and i believe that that's not too much of that's not too much to ask for because i think sometimes women compromise thinking uh you know he says he's a christian or like he says that you know he's a muslim or he Mm. says he's all of these things Mm. but in terms of the doing oh he's just you know struggling or blah 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 it leaks into even that So the standard that I set myself is very much the standard that I'll set for my partner as well. Mm, And that's what I believe about sex. I believe that obviously I am honoring God with my body. Obviously I am trying to worship with my body because I think you guys have heard me speak about myself. I think I'm the bomb diggity. You do indeed. I think I'm the bomb diggity. And I don't want to share that with just any Tom, Dick and Harry. A hundred percent. I actually don't. And it's not even a thing of me flexing or feeling like I'm above anybody else, but I really do respect myself in that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just don't think I want to share that or share my body or my nakedness with somebody that struggles in that way or who doesn't Mm. have that same value system. And that's the thing. It's I I want somebody who sees me the same way I see me. Absolutely. Like you're saying. Absolutely. And I think that in that it is a journey of how do I see myself? And let me inspect how you see me. Because the one thing you don't want is to, like you said, have used your body to worship. And then just someone see you as a sex toy. Absolutely impossible or not. Uh, Absolutely impossible or not. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, I, and it's not just me seeing myself as a prize, but also seeing my partner as a prize too. Because men, in terms of them, you know, building up their like discipline yeah. and all of that kind of stuff they too are a prize yeah oh god i can't believe i'm on a tms no, episode they men too are a prize but they, they too, too are a prize my partner would be a prize 100%. and that's how i see sex personally yeah and that's, that's all i can I give you that's all i can give you sis if you want to do what you want to do i would never disrespect another woman mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends have very differing views on sex, but we yeah. can coexist. So I think it's really important to highlight, as you mentioned, that within sisterhood communities, it's possible to function through coexisting. Mm. It's not just about conversion. It's not just about, as you said, creating mm. a blueprint or rules or anything like that. I think the internet has created some, for a yeah. large part, the internet has created this culture yeah. of like, this is what is right when yeah. really that's not what that's not how community functions a hundred percent and it's a matter of understanding there we go because i think oftentimes it can come with a lot of sub of assumptions you don't live the way i do because you don't see yourself you don't for example you don't value yourself you don't but have you actually taken time to try and understand where people are coming you may not agree but have you tried to understand somebody else's story how they even got to this place um and why they have chosen to live like this. Have you decided, have you chosen to actually journey with somebody? Have you chosen to see them as a person and not just the the choices that they make? For sure. Yeah. For sure. So we say all this to say, sisters, obviously do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's a Christian listener. What? Do what you want? No, don't do that. Well, if you want to agree with us or if you do agree with us, more power to you. That's great. If you don't, agree with us if you disagree or you have an opinion that you want to share 
drop them in the comments. We'd love to see them. But of course, as we've said, we can coexist. Don't do so disrespectfully. You might find the answer will actually tear your singlets. Um, In an eloquent way, of course. Tear your singlets. Because we see some of those read comments and I tell you, sometimes Courtney be holding me by my neck. (laughs) Not trying to respond. You guys think that it's Courtney that's the one, but really she'd be out here trying to be the polite one out here. But please, please, please let us know what you think about sex, purity, culture, virginity. Yeah. Oh, have you ever heard that song by um, Vibes Cartel? Virginity. Remember when we take your virginity? First time at the Rumpin Shop. I'm not going to sing the oh, rest. There because... was a song the other day <laughs> that was stuck in my head. What was it? Oh, I can't remember, but yeah. Those lyrics, I ain't going to sing the rest of the lyrics, you know. We don't want to get demonetized anyway. Can you imagine? Oh, YouTube would have a field, <laughs> field day with that one. Anyways. You've been demonetized. <laughs> anyways, anyways, guys are forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, Woo! shout out to our Caribbean sisters, man. Oh, we love you guys. Shout out to Jamaica. Matting, We love the nation. We love the nation. Um... <laughs> Let us know what you have to say, of course, in the YouTube comments, but also add us on Instagram at To My Sisterhood. And of course, say hi to us personally, guys. Come and say hi to the wonderful at CD Boateng and at Renee Kapuku. Yes, and you can also go and let us know your thoughts over on Twitter. Share with your own followers and think, hmm, what do we think about this, guys? Definitely at us, though, when you do it, at To My Sisterhood. And of course, you can hashtag To My Sisters as well. And of course, sisters, if you haven't already, please sign up to the mailing list. Sign up to the mailing list. For example, the girls who signed up to the mailing list got early access, priority tickets to the To My Sisters live show. And that's how it's going to go. (laughs) Okay? So if you're not on the mailing list, where you at? Where you at? Missing so much. So definitely sign up on tomysisters.com. What else do I have to say? Subscribe here on YouTube. Follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple. Leave a rating on Apple if you can as well. We would really, really appreciate it. Give us five stars or four stars. If it's less than that, send us an email. Because we don't need those ratings. Keep your bad vibes. Send it to us in the inbox. Go and listen to another podcast, maybe. Maybe we're not the right fit here. We have a cultural cultural difference here. Okay. But yeah, leave a rating on the podcast if you can and leave a review. That will really help us get bumped up in the charts on Apple's uh, Call me charts Jason and Derulo. stuff. <laughs> Jason Derulo. With the... <laughs> So yeah, um, wow, we're really falling about that. We're trying to close this episode. But sis, we love you so much. We are glad that you are here and a part of this sisterhood. Definitely, definitely make sure you stay plugged into everything that we are doing during the week. Um, and we will talk to you very, very soon in our next episode. And as always, keep glowing and growing.